This is Ethan, and I'm here with Dave and special guests Alexis Adams and Jackie Rossi. And together, we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, ridiculously self-indulgent bonus episode, 30 Centimeter. On this spoilerific bonus episode, Ethan and Alexis review the August 5th show in Webster, Massachusetts at the Indian Ranch Amphitheater from Weird Al's 2022, the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. I was just about to start when I heard some weird noises from the seat next to me, and it was uh, Alexis ripping off her wristbands from the show last night that we went to. Uh, Dave and Jackie were not there, and we are currently um, in the car on our way to the next shows in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, but uh, welcome back, Alexis. Hello. Alexis is doing every possible noisy thing she can do um, <laughs> while we record. Uh, as I said, we're in the car, so there's you know GPS noises, car noises, honking, um, occasional swearing and <laughs> metal smashing into other cars as we navigate the throughway. Um, but uh, let's just uh, I'll hand it over to Dave. Dave, how you doing? Well, this is exciting because uh, Alexis and Ethan are going to do most of the talking because they were at the show last night. As Ethan said, Jackie and I were not there. But we do want to hear all about it. So we're excited to hear about this show. And uh, I know you guys were trying to keep spoilers from me. But apparently the show happened last night. You, you ruined that spoiler. And I guess uh, I'm anxious for to hear about uh, your adventures. And uh, I guess I do. Now, right, I would like here. I'll let you guys. Uh, I'll let you guys. Well, yeah, we'll fill you in. But we also want to say hi to Jackie. Hi, what's up? Driving. <laughs> Jackie's driving. So if uh, if the audio cuts out and uh, you never hear from us again, um, it's her fault. fault. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we like careen off a cliff and die but this gets uploaded <laughs> our, our intern frank is is, is is uh tied to the roof rack so uh hopefully he survives the impact and yes he posts this <laughs> well hopefully he posts the other ones before this <laughs> hopefully he posts them in order um yeah so the show last night was indian ranch um i worked during the day and then uh i was able to leave a little bit early and hop on the road it was about a two and a half hour drive for me and uh the show started at 7 30 i wanted to be there at 6 30 i got there at seven and um <laughs> when i pulled in there was a big sign that said lot full and so i pulled up and the guy's like the lot's full and i was like yeah what do i do <laughs> like what do I? he's like oh just go find another parking lot so i ended up parking at some guy's house um, <laughs> across the street. Does this person know that you parked at their house? Yes, he charged me ten dollars, um, <laughs> and uh, handed me back. I handed him a twenty, and he handed me back ten ones. At least, I assume I didn't count them. Uh, and uh, I was like, "Is there even room for me to park?" He's like, "Yeah, you can just kind of park there." And it was like this really sketchy, like hill covered in leaves. I'm like, "I hope my car doesn't like slide out into the road." Um, 
So I had to just abandon my car there and then uh, walk into the venue. And Alexis, you were already there. How did you, when did you get to the venue? Um, you know, I left my house at like we're gonna say two thirty. Um, I got there at probably four thirty. Wasn't too bad. Um, oh wow! So that's like when I was leaving my house, you were yeah. getting to the venue. Yeah, I was also able to park at the venue for ten dollars. So not sketchy, but yeah, you had a, a decent parking spot. I did. I did see that later. Um, <clears throat> when, so I was walking in and it's just sort of like, um, almost had like a campground kind of feel as you're walking down this long kind of dirt road. Um, there are, you know, RVs and campers. There's like a whole section where people are kind of camping out, uh, for before and after the show. And, um, they, you know, they had some municipal buildings and bathrooms and stuff, but then. Uh, you actually had to wait in line to get in, and you had to get um, wanded by security, and then they scanned your ticket, and then they checked your ID. So I'm, oh, um, <laughs> they didn't check my ID at all. They just like wanded me real quick, and we're just like, all right. Well, I also did go in at a different time at a different part of the lot. So because I had a I had VIP lunch at uh, dinner at Samuel Slater's, which is a restaurant within the venue. So. They just like looked at my ticket and they were like, "All right, cool, you can go inside." <laughs> I was like, "You're right." Yeah, I I don't know that I've been I've had to go through metal detectors. I don't know that I've been wanted at a Weird Al show this tour, um, but it was kind of a, a slow moving line. And while I was waiting in line, they started singing the national anthem, and it's kind of unique because you don't really see that at Weird Al shows. Um, you don't really see that at concerts. <laughs> It's usually like a sporting event thing or, you know, morning announcements at high school. But, um, yeah, so the security people who were checking people in uh, decided to stop checking people in and stand for the flag. So uh, so I had to wait even longer um, to get in. Uh, I, I finally did get in, though. And um, the first thing I think the first person I actually saw was Jacinta and Barb. And then shortly after, Alexis, uh, I saw you. Yes. And um, not too long after that, I saw Johnny O'Hearn and Heather. And um, while Johnny and I were talking, some guy walks by with the crispest uh, Weird Al uh, inside the um, Pentium shirt. Like, it looked like it was literally 1999. It was so, such a fresh, like, it looked like it had never been worn. New old stock, pretty much. Definitely. Yeah. So, uh, when Johnny saw that, he's like, ah, "I gotta go talk to that guy." So he goes over to the guy, and he's just like, "Sir, your shirt is just—it's so good." And then, so we talked to the guy for like five minutes, and he was talking about how um, it was hanging in his closet, and he doesn't think he ever wore it. So it's like wow. he's just had that in his closet since '99, um, and it looked really cool. And he probably shouldn't have been wearing it, <laughs> to be honest. Um, uh, not too long after, I saw Alicia. I did not see Gus, but I heard he was there somewhere. Um, and uh, so with this group who I've just mentioned, I started handing out some of our wooden nickels, Dave. Uh, the first people outside of Minnesota to get wooden nickels. And um, I don't know who said it, but I handed it to someone and they said, Oh, I thought you guys were joking about having wooden nickels. It's <laughs> like, Nope. <laughs> Well, yeah, so we're definitely not joking about having wooden nickels because we ordered a thousand of them, and I don't know how many we have left, maybe 800, 
who knows. Sorry. I hear, uh, hear something going on. But, but uh, yeah, so we definitely have a, a wooden nickels. Uh, again, they're a little bulky, so we can't carry a ton of them to concerts, but we definitely will, we're happy to give them out if you see us at any shows. Please, please, please take a wooden nickel. <laughs> or five. <laughs> or 12. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, but they were very happy to get them. Um, I was also expecting to see a few other people uh, at the show, but uh, I didn't see them until a little bit later, so I guess I'll, I'll wait and I'll go in uh, actual order. But um, before I went to my seat, I, uh, I saw they had a... Like, when you're walking in, they had a giant sign that said, Marijuana is not allowed. And then as soon as I walked in, there was this giant, like, booth that said marijuana <laughs> I don't know what they were doing but they had um was it like a CBD like a CBD stand no it like, was marijuana oh, oh, oh it was I don't know that they were selling it but they were like an organization in support of it or something but I went over and I got a, a, a drink koozie and uh <laughs> I haven't even looked at it but um you know I can't give up a, a free thing hey, and, if, it, if, it's, if it's free it's for me that's what I say well, luckily, um, so I, I didn't have a whole lot of time when I, by the time I waited in line and got in, um, but Johnny had messaged me. He says, I, I looked at all the venue merch, um, like the venue's own merch. He said, none of it has Weird Al's name on it or the date. So I was like, thank you, Johnny. I, you know, Johnny's one that we can trust that he did a thorough job uh, looking. So I didn't even look at the uh, venue merch. Um, but then we were just kind of chatting and then uh, we heard JW hop on. The mic says so like, oh crap, and I, I ran into my seat. Do you have something you want to say, Dave? Yeah, so I, I have a few questions, I guess, before you get to uh, to JW, uh, and I'll ask them because we're we're handing the microphone back and forth here. So I'm going to just ask them to you, and you can hopefully remember them all, and <laughs> then you can answer them. Uh, so I guess the the first question is, uh, I heard a rumor that this was an outdoor venue, so I would like to know if you have any thoughts about that, if that's true or not. Uh, the second, because I have not been to an outdoor venue at all on this tour, and uh, I did not even wasn't even aware that he was doing shows at outdoor venues. So that would be interesting to hear how you, if if that's true, how you work that in, in and how it changed, if anything, the the concert experience. Uh, and then the second, I was thinking about the uh, this the other day. Uh, now that we know that all of the uh, tour all the tour dates have been announced for this tour I'm just curious um, I know at some point we were we were talk, trying to figure out if they were going to add new tour dates to the tour shirts and I'm just wondering if they ever have done that yet if you took a look at the tour shirts and if there's of course any other merchandise uh, that we need to mention sure I'll, I'm happy to address all of that I'll, I'll start off with uh, the fact that yes it was an outdoor venue um, and I know uh, Alexis and I and probably Johnny and Jacinta and everyone else at that concert um, probably had a similar experience to the two of us where we were checking the weather incessantly. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it, it was like, oh, thunderstorms, downpouring. Like, no, I was so afraid that it was going to like the show was going to get canceled, going to get rained out. And I was like, well, what am I going to do now? Yeah. So the website said rain or shine, the shows will happen. But if it's a thunderstorm and people are getting electrocuted, they're probably not going to do it. So, um, <clears throat> And they've got such a, a tight routed um, week right now. It's not like they could postpone it a day or you know do it the next day or something. So um, I was very nervous, but I was very happy with the weather. It was warm, um, but uh, no rain, no, no issue. 
Um, but I was, you know, I, I think we've talked about this, Dave, where we buy our tickets so far in advance and we're going to so many shows that we don't really know where we're sitting until we show up. But um, when I started seeing the weather might have rain, might have thunderstorms, I looked up where my seat was and starting in row nine, there is covering for the seated section. So there is general admission on the sides. There is like the VIP seats up front, but the first eight rows are not covered. And my seat was in the first covered row. So when I looked that up, I was like, oh, I must have done that on purpose. <laughs> so um, even if it had rained, I would have been okay. But I did buy uh, some ponchos just in case. Um, what I wanted to say about merchandise. So I didn't, uh, I think I just said hi to, to Marnie at this point. Oh, no, I did buy it before the show. Um, I still needed to pick up a blue hat for UH Jeff. And Marnie confirmed that there was only... 150 to 200 of those left and that they will be getting the new colors after that. Um, I didn't ask her about the tour date shirts at this show, but um, recently when I asked her about it, uh, they were coming soon. So they will have the new updated uh, tour dates eventually. Um, And since they're coming up next month, I would assume um, if she didn't mention, I'm sure she would have said something if they had them already, but I would have to imagine they're going to come soon. Um... Did you have anything to add on any of Dave's questions, Alexis? Um, I believe not. Okay. So as I'm standing and I hear JW start uh, introducing the show, um, that was 729. So I quickly went over to my seat and uh, sat down. It wasn't very long before uh, Emo took the stage right at 730 on the dot. He came out with uh, his Harlequin uh, outfit, the gold and black, uh, as I call it. And... Um, he kind of has these yellow bags that he carries now. And I did see a water bottle in the netting of the bag, but he did not remove the water bottle. So he did have water as an option, uh, but did not drink it from what I can remember. He didn't have a box of water. He often has a box of water on the stage. Jackie, in case you didn't hear that, asked if he had a box of water. No box of water. It was just, uh, it was just a plastic water bottle in the netting of his bag. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just I'm thinking about it. You know, we're reporting on whether or not Emo has his water, and somebody's keeping a really meticulous spreadsheet of of, of exactly all the water that that Emo's kind of come on stage. I'm thinking back over the conscious. I've I don't think I've ever seen Emo drink any of the water. I think he just carries it. Have you ever seen him drink the water? I've seen him drink the when he has the boxed water, but it looks like he's faking it. It looks like it's like. Uh, a fake drink it's just to like go in because remember he will tell a joke about the boxed water sometimes um but yeah I, I he's not a uh he's not a thirsty guy up on stage uh usually but he was pretty thirsty uh actually at the show um at indian ranch uh so we are recording this the day after so if i say last night um that's what i mean Sorry. but um so so alexis you were sitting right in the front row yes. Um, right next to you was Jacinta, and right next to Jacinta was her really good friend Barb, um, who I believe she was the at least one of the Medford shows, and I remember uh, meeting her before. Um, she's really nice. Um, emo, so uh, Barb has bright red hair. With, like, hints of purple. Hints of purple, but it's bright red hair. It looks really cool. And so 
I'm okay. I we don't usually go over what emo says in a set, but these were kind of crowd work um, things and specific to people who we know here on the podcast. So um, I want to go over them. So he sees Barb's red hair and he goes, "Hey, I really like your red hair." And uh, then he goes, "Sometimes I comb too hard too," <laughs> and the blood <laughs> something about blood clots. And then he said to Barb, "You're a hot mama." <laughs> so well, he wasn't thirsty for water he was certainly thirsty um he was doing a lot of really fun crowd work there was this guy dressed as weird al who uh was like he came in late and emo was like oh i thought that was weird al and then um the guy you know he had this wig on and emo's like you can take the wig off and the guy like shook his head and emo's like oh that's your real hair well you can take your head off if you want (laughs) i don't know it's just so silly and fun um and then uh, at one point he started talking to Jacinta and he noticed that she was wearing a Rubinette t-shirt and um, he's like, oh, you're, you're, uh, you're Rubinette. You're, you're a fan of our keyboard player, Ruben. Um, he, he said, oh, so you're the groupie that he paid for. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, he actually, he, he did, uh, you know, a lot of uh, tried and true, some of our favorites. Uh, he, he did my favorite joke, the seagull. Um, and he also had a, a ton of new jokes, uh, which were really great. And um, the only thing that, that kind of wasn't great um, was the microphone kept like kind of cracking and popping. Um, I think it was probably like a, a crappy mic cord. Um, and uh, so that was, that was a... Um, it wasn't distracting, but as someone who has used crappy microphones before, I know as a performer that that's uh, not fun. And also, it was pretty bright out at this point. It was still, you know, it wasn't dark. So um, comedy is always better when it's like kind of a, a closed and dark little dungeon. Um, so it's it's not as, as easy, but uh, Emo was still killing it. And he did get a standing ovation at the end of his set, which ended at... 757 so a little bit shorter for emo just a 27 minute set um and so emo left the stage and <clears throat> a couple minutes later 804 a couple guys came on the stage and they did a raffle so they were selling like raffle tickets um and uh there was a 500 dollars winner a 200 dollars winner and two winners of bose headphones uh <laughs> The guy next to me had like uh, a fistful of like tickets and was very disappointed that he did not win. Um, Can I interject real quick about the end towards the end of emo set? He uh, went to go take off his jacket and I yelled and he immediately like I cheered and he immediately looked at me and put his jacket back on. (laughs) He was like, nope, I am all set. Thank you very much. That's so great. Um the the raffle guys there was a couple of them on stage and they they used like a microphone i was kind of wondering like oh what microphone are they going to use um and it looks like they set up a microphone just for that guy because as soon as he left i saw melissa like take it away (laughs) like unplug it (laughs) so it's like oh now this one is uh diseased we got to get rid of it um so it was during this little intermission that i got to see um a few other friends of mine and friends of the podcast. Um, uh, I saw Tina and Jen. Uh, they're two 
major Weird Al fans that I've seen at a number of shows. I think last time I saw them was in uh, New London. And Dave, you actually met Tina at the, um, what was that show? Because you saw her later and you're like, oh yeah, I met you at this oh, show. Oh, um, the Zyterian in New Bedford. New Bedford, thank yes. you. Yeah, so you, you guys met Tina at New Bedford. So she was there with uh, with Jen. They were just a few rows behind me. And also a few rows behind me was Ray Padgett, who uh, who we met in um, Vermont. Yeah, he lives in Vermont. So I'm not sure what kind of drive it was for him. But well, he said he was, Actually, he said he was at the one of the Medford shows, too. So maybe he's, he's a Massachusetts, Vermont guy. Yeah, I think he lives in Burlington. But he's a big enough fan that he probably will drive, drive a little bit of ways. But... Um, I know he's someone who we definitely are planning to interview on the podcast because he wrote um, this book that features uh, Weird Al in it and is a really talented, really nice guy. So we're excited to talk to him, but it was cool to, to get to see him. And then I think it went right into the show. Unless, Alexis, is there anything you remember before Al took the stage? Um, No. I got a question. I mean, I heard you mention earlier that uh, Alicia was there as and as well as Gus. But uh, one thing I did not hear you mention was Billy there, the chicken hat. Oh, oh, yes. yeah. That's a that's a good reminder, Dave. So, um, uh, yes, uh, Alicia was there. Yes, she was wearing Billy the chicken hat, and um, uh, it was during this the intermission that I got to see Gus. So Gus was there. It, he uh, Alicia was telling the truth. <laughs> when she said uh, he was there. Um, and yes, Billy the Chicken Hat was there. He was wearing a, uh, a face mask uh, for <laughs> protection. And um, uh, what I didn't realize, and, and I learned this recently, I think maybe on the Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast Discord server, that there's actually pockets inside Billy's, inside the hat, and Alicia keeps different keepsakes in there. Um, so I don't know if this was before the show or after the show, but she opened up Billy and she showed Alexis and I, um, this handwritten note she has from Weird Al on the back of her Statue of Liberty ticket from the, um, Radio City, Radio City show. And she also has like her wristband from, uh, the Hollywood star ceremony and like lots of other things, um, all tucked up inside Billy. So and she she has the original note that Al wrote for her in Billy's like pocket, and we told her that she should you know make a photocopy and frame the original because that's a that's a keepsake. You don't want to you know ruin that. Yeah, it's definitely kind of like crumpled and maybe getting sweaty up in there. Uh, so yeah, our recommendation was make a photocopy, keep the original in a frame, and uh, you know. <laughs> Be, be extra careful with it. So we'll see if she does that. She gets our advice. Um, so at 8.14, um, I saw the band start to take the stage. Bermuda was the first one out. Um, it's so Since it's kind of an outdoor venue, it's um, more of an open stage. You can definitely see, um, like, um, you can definitely see, like, Hawkeye and, and, um, and Dana, like, on their sides. Uh, they're not blocked by curtains or anything. And there's kind of just like a, a screen door where the guys can walk out of from the backstage. So I saw each of the band members walk out and then I saw Al just standing in the screen door, just like kind of watching. And the guys came out and they played Fun Zone. 
And um, while Fun Vo- while Fun Zone was playing, uh, I noticed that Steve was wearing his sunglasses. Um, and on Al's table, there was a cowbell and a jingle dingle. Um, so, so that was. A, a what? A jingle dingle. Uh, Jackie has not heard the uh, the Las Vegas episode where we renamed one of the instruments. But if you have not, if you're not caught up, uh, the jingle dingle is, of course, the tambourine. Um, and so the tambourine tells you that Al's going to play. Uh, there's two songs that use it in the current set, and that's Airline Amy, which Alexis has been dying to see. How? Which, what number of show is this? This tour for you? Um, well, Indian Ranch was show number six. We are currently um, zero for six on the Airline Amy scale. Hey, we didn't get to the set list yet. Sorry. Spoiler. The giant sign was the <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, well, we'll see. We'll see if he plays uh, Airline Amy. But um, the... Uh, My guess is going to be that, that that's, Airline Amy is probably going to be Dave's pick of the night. Dave, spoilers. Um, so... Of course, the jingle dingle can mean airline Amy, or it can mean CNR, uh, and then the cowbell usually means dare to be stupid. Um, so, because no megaphone, that, that's that's all I saw. Um, so, because there's not really like a backstage where Al can kind of hide behind the curtain and walk out right at the end, um, like pretty like around the haze in fun zone al started walking out and just walked like really slowly and the audience is like going nuts and al's just like tiptoeing out really slowly and then uh you know does his like kind of uh introduction and uh, dance and stuff and um i know you're wondering dave uh you don't even have to ask uh al was wearing his uh hawaiian shirt that's black with like those green leaves on it um and i don't know if i've named it before but uh, I named it The Vines. That's the new name. The Vines. And um, now I had a little bit of trouble hearing Al, but um, I got a note from Johnny O'Hearn about what he said uh, to help clarify. Al said a couple things um, that were a bit uh, perplexing at this show. And um, so I wanted to see what, what Johnny wrote. He said... Uh, Hello, Rhode Island, when he came out. Um, now, we were not in Rhode Island. We were in Webster, Massachusetts. Um, so that was a little odd. I didn't I didn't hear what he said, but it didn't sound like, hello, Webster, hello, Indian Ranch, or hello, Massachusetts. I, I don't think, I think he just said, hello, Providence. Well, that he said that, uh, he said that later. Yeah, um, but sorry. for this one, he said, uh, hello, Rhode Island. Yeah. Alexis, you're just giving spoilers all throughout. We got to build up to this. Well, in relationship to to Rhode Island, where is Webster located? Um, it's about an hour southeast. Um, so I think I Rhode think, Island is. Uh, yeah, from Webster. Well, pro- uh, like Rhode Island, probably about half hour, thirty five minutes. Yeah. So Round up. not not. It's not like it's five minutes away. It's oh, not sorry. like, you know. Um, so that was a bit perplexing. Um, and as Alexis said, he did say Providence later. We'll, we'll get into that when we get there. Um, but uh, so after Fun Zone, Al uh, took the stage and picked up his Vibra Slap and went right into Close But No Cigar. And uh, as we all know, there's something I count, and I count the Vibra Slaps. And 
Uh, Dave, do you recall how many vibra slaps it was last time we saw Weird Al perform this song? I believe it's been around 16 every time, you, you give, give or take one, 15 or 17, but I believe it's been around 16 each time. Yeah, I was going to say 17. I was going to say 17. Yeah, so it's typically 15, 16, or 17. Uh, did you happen to count, Alexis? Um, what was the question? All right, Alexis is, is, is not paying attention. Um, <laughs> so uh, I counted 15 vibra slaps, so oh. I'm not sure how it changes so much. Um, but, uh, Dave, last time we had this discussion, you mentioned counting the claps in the song. So I did attempt to count the claps and I got 30, but it's, it goes fast and I'm not completely confident. So, uh, we'll have to sort of, uh, keep an ear out for that. Um, so after... Uh, after Close But No Cigar, this is when Al said, it's good to be back in my hometown of Providence. Which yeah. just is very bizarre. And um, so... Some, somebody must have told that Al said, where are we? And somebody must have said, you're in Providence, Rhode Island tonight. And he had <laughs> just took there and went with it. I don't think they're even playing in Providence, Rhode Island no. this tour. No. Um, so, very odd. And um, if he was joking, I, I don't it didn't it's very weird i've never seen him yeah. joke that before it, it seemed like he was serious like yeah, he said it, it with confidence and i'm just like, are you well, sure obviously he's joking about it being his hometown but the fact that it didn't seem like a joke that he was saying providence and not webster or indian ranch so um very bizarre <laughs> and i'm i'm really curious um if al is just doing that just to mess with us uh, cuz no one else is going to report on the show like we will. Um, but um, he uh, had everyone give it up for emo. And uh, he went with the line that he said before where if you uh, told me in the early 1980s that uh, I'd be spending six months on a bus with emo Phillips, uh, I would have said, yeah, that sounds about right. And he said, I hope you guys were properly warned that we're going to be playing some extremely unpopular songs. Um, and he said... The starting song was inspired by people who were educated at RISD. And that's the Rhode Island School of Design. Um, and uh, he mentioned RISD back, I think, in Minnesota. And he said that um, his daughter, Nina, had applied there and was uh, got in but decided not to go. Um, but when he said it in, in Minnesota, he said RISD, the the Rhode Island School of Design, but the way he just said they were educated at RISD without saying what that stood for <laughs> further cemented the, the the fact that maybe Al thought he was in Rhode Island. I, I really think he might have thought he was in Rhode Island. Uh, like, Because why else would you solidify RISD like that without explaining? Well, I, I think RISD is... I, I, RISD is an important enough school that it, that's a regional thing. Like... I would know what you meant by RISD without having to explain that. Whereas, you know, Minnesota, maybe not. So oh, I don't know that's necessarily proof that he thought he was Rhode Island. I think you have other things that are more compelling. Yeah, I mean, I uh, people certainly cheered and they, they understood what RISD was and they were excited him, that he was talking about it. Um, but that compounded with him saying Providence and hello, Rhode Island, makes me really question what was going on. I agree. I, yeah. I agree. I think he thought he was in Rhode Island. 
Um, so I don't know what happened there. Um, but he then went into, you know, talking about, you know, what if the talking heads did not get famous, uh, right out of college and, uh, worked a desk job and went right into, uh, dog eat dog. And so Alexis, you were in the front row. So you, I'm sure had really a uh, great view. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, I was actually, um, pretty lined up with you just, um, I guess eight rows behind you. And uh, we were just slightly on Jim's side, um, but still pretty center. I was right in the center aisle. And um, what was kind of annoying was there's a security guy wearing a big, bright yellow shirt and a big hat that said security on it. And he just stood right in the center aisle um, the entire show. Um, And... For most of the show, it was fine. But for Dog Eat Dog, he was standing there. He was blocking Al. There was, like, a venue photographer who was just, like, taking way too many photos of Al and the audience just literally standing right in front of me. It was very annoying. Um, So, luckily, um, it was only Dog Eat Dog that I was affected, but um, to, to that degree. But it was still annoying. I mean, it's just... And I didn't see him do anything but, like... Um, like all this, any venue staff that walked by, they always were like high-fiving and like fist bumping. And at one point some guy came around with like a bucket of like chicken and this guy like grabbed a couple chickens. (laughs) I don't know. It's just like, like get a chair or something. Like you don't need to stand up. And he didn't like watch the show. He's just, is back to Al the whole time. Just like blocking people's view. (laughs) So it was, it was, you know, it's one thing when there's like a security guy, like at the stage and he's sitting down and he's not blocking the show. But this guy was literally just standing there the entire time. Um, and um, the, <laughs> the other thing was, so the VIP section was kind of gated off. And then there were um, two rows and then me. And be, there was a, a separation between the VIP section and the where the seating, the fixed seating started. Uh, that's where the guy was standing, but it was also an aisle. So a lot of people were walking up and down, passing through throughout the show. And because it was a great view of the stage, um, a lot of, like almost every single person that walked by would stop, take a picture of Al and then keep walking. Um, or they would sort of just walk by with their phone recording and, um, it, it got old fast because (laughs) yeah, they had a great view, but they were taking my great view. Um, but Dog Eat Dog was great. Um, do you have anything you wanted to say about it? Um, no. All right. <laughs> um, I will stop going to you, and you just pipe up if you have right. something you want to say. Right, uh, <laughs> and, um, yeah, so Dog Eat Dog was great. It was still kind of light out at that point. It wasn't fully dark yet. Um, now... I don't. Do you know the name of the lake that they were on? All right. So. Uh, so this is like kind of a, a bizarre thing, and it, it is. I will. Say, I think it has forty-five syllables. I oh think it is. God. It's ridiculous. Um, to the uh, the cowards. Um, they call it Lake Webster, but um, I have to Google this real quick. Yeah, it's it's something with like fifteen G's in a row or something. Um, I want. I don't have it written down because I don't think I have enough ink in my pen. Um, it, Emo pronounced it though. He, I, I, he may have. I think uh, he had it written out uh, phonetically on, on his paper or something. Uh, but Lake uh, Char- Chargagog, Menchagagog, 
Chowbunga Gunga Munga something. <laughs> I just, I want to spell it just for right. the people at home. Right. Do you have it? Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking at Alexis's iPhone and it's like, it's off the page. It's such a long word. So it's uh, Lake C H A R G O G G A G O G G M A N C H A U G G A G A U G C H A U B U N A G U N G A M A U G G. Yeah, that's that's a great Wi-Fi password. So Al, after Doggy Dog said. Uh, I spent all afternoon trying to pronounce the name of this lake. And then he's like, let me give it a try. Webster. (laughs) Um, And then he said, usually, um, you know, we save this for the end, but I can tell you guys are getting antsy. So it's time for a drum solo. Uh, So Al went right into uh, having Bermuda do a drum solo. And he did a few hits and it was sort of like a, do you recall, do you, did you recognize the tune he played? I did. I like sat there trying to figure out what it was. It led into the song, didn't it? No, it didn't. But it was it was definitely a recognizable kind of little ditty, uh, not an Al song, but just sort of like a a regular kind of thing. But it was short. It was a couple of hits, and then Al, of course, said John Bermuda Schwartz, what a guy. So add that to the spreadsheet. Uh, then they went right into the song, which was Good Old Days, and it was a good old song. It was, um, I didn't have anything written down. <laughs> I didn't make note of anything either, so we're both in the uh, the same boat on that one. <laughs> yeah, and uh, speaking of boats, um, it was actually pretty close to the water, and um, they had um, parking passes you could buy, and they also had boat parking passes. Wow. Um, and the boat parking was cheaper, so I was considering... Uh, your boat there? Yeah. <laughs> You know, bringing my boat, parking at some guy's house, and then bringing the boat to park. So I've seen Al on a lake or river before, and uh, at the times I've seen him on there, uh, there's been people sitting out on the boats and, and just kind of uh, taking in the concert. I don't know if they paid for their tickets or they're getting the show for free, but I'm wondering, was there anybody out on the lake? Chicka chaka chaka waka waka Not that I can see. Did you notice anyone? Um... I noticed a lot of, I did notice a few boats out on the water. It's mostly, you know, privately owned boats. They're not part of the campground. They're not camping at Indian Ranch. They're kind of on the outskirts of the furthermost part of the lake. And they just kind of vibe in their boats and they're just listening to the show. Actually, there's a boat that cruises the lake. It's called the Indian Princess. And I I don't know if this is right, but I've heard it has like live feed audio from the show that plays it on the boat in real time. That's awesome. So the people on the boat can actually hear the show, which I can't confirm nor deny. That's just what I've heard, you know, knowing in folklore that that's a that's a thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. You know, speaking of the lake name, I did notice like a tote bag in the uh, merch, um, the venue merch that just had a bunch of G's on it. And I was wondering what it was. And I'm guessing it was the the lake name written out. And I probably should have picked that up because that that would have been cool to have. Um, but, uh, so after good old days, um, Al said, um, I tour manager, let me know. We have a tight curfew tonight. Uh, we have to be off the stage by 10 PM exactly. And because of this, I'm very reluctant to do the next song. He said, uh, because Jim has a new arrangement for it (laughs) and it is, it includes the same guitar chord over and over for 45 minutes straight. (laughs) 
but um, despite that, they still went into it. <laughs> and uh, he did not say it was G-sharp or anything. He just said uh, uh, the same chord. And um, then they played My Own Eyes. And uh, My Own Eyes was really great. It was uh, definitely... Um, dark by this point uh the sky had had gotten darker and uh so the lights were a lot um you know a lot better on stage you can see them better when it's dark and the there was i could not see ruben from where i was sitting steve was perfectly blocking him uh but the lights on stage projected a really great um very crisp ruben shadow on the back wall um so i noticed that during this song and they also were doing a lot of audience lights and I don't know if this was because it's an outdoor show and it's a little more acceptable to do it I don't know I I haven't noticed this in the venue shows we've seen but um, there was really great audience lighting and strobes and all that stuff Um, I don't know if you could see it from how far up you were Um, I did kind of notice it like in my peripheral vision but it was you from what I could tell it was definitely it was it was really awesome it was really cool to see all that audience lighting because like you said you don't really see that in like like in in indoor venues yeah they do a little bit of audience stuff but it seemed like they were doing a lot more yeah and you know this this venue is you know there's a lot of seating but um i think i mentioned there's a lot of uh general admission seating and just like fields where people are out with blankets and stuff so um i can imagine they want to have a little bit more spectacle because there's people so far out right yeah so they can at least get like a feel of what's going on from where if they can't see it at all yeah for sure um, okay, so after my own eyes, um, Dave, do you have anything? We haven't checked in with you in a while. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm still in the car. All right. Uh, Al said uh, there's a bonus with the concert tonight um, because he's doing a public service and he's going to tell each and every one of you your future. Um, he said uh, in groups of in 12 groups, so 8.3% of the audience at a time. <laughs> And of course, that meant that uh, he played your horoscope for today. And um, uh, Johnny O'Hearn messaged me and said that he wanted me to mention on the podcast that um, he skanked in his seat for horoscope since general admission would be a hassle to run over to for skanking properly. What? So, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but uh, Johnny was very uh, <laughs> insistent that I mention that. Uh, yeah, John, Johnny's into Scott. He knows what all oh, that means. Scott. Oh, oh Scott in his seat. No. He no. said skanking. Skanking is like the mosh pit for the Scott people. Oh. <laughs> Why do I know this? What? <laughs> learn something new every day i did not know that yeah i i guess i I don't know enough about skanks um um, i noticed uh that um the vocals really should have been a little bit louder for this song I, i think the mix was down a little bit i could hear al but he was being a little bit overpowered uh by the the music and i i noticed that during this song but i didn't notice it during any other songs so um, I'm not sure what that was, if it was a fluke. Um, and I was paying so close attention because every time Al does the fast part, I have been missing him taking a breath because it's so seamless. And so I really paid attention. I did catch his really fast breath 
um, as uh, you know, Jim starts um, uh, doubling him. And uh, there was just a lot of people up and down throughout the concert. And this is where I wrote it down in the notebook. That it was just it was distracting how many people were getting up and going to the bathroom and getting drinks and um, all sorts of stuff. Now, it was, uh, you know, a pretty nice day out. It wasn't very breezy, though. Um, and it was probably like 80 degrees. So it was a bit warm. Um, so I could definitely tell that uh, Al and the guys were getting kind of warm up on stage. And um, they were they were they were very sweaty. Yeah, they were they were sweaty. So um, I know, you know, usually at the end of the concert when they do their kind of like fake out thing, Al like wipes his face and stuff. But Al was legitimately wiping his face um, pretty much between every song. I'm sorry. I have to go back to this skanking thing. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh, did you Google it? Actually, I Googled the wrong thing. I Googled I Googled slank. And uh, by mistake, and uh, it says one of the meanings is slink, and I went to slink, and is and one of the definitions of slink is to give birth prematurely. So I'm I'm imagining Johnny giving birth in the audience right now. So I have to have our, I have to hit our intern Frank because he he actually typed in slink instead of skank. So I'm gonna get back on this one. Jeez, you know we we give him the greatest seat. We give him the double decker seat on top of the car, and he can't even uh, type it properly. The audacity of that man. The so, um, this is the point of the show where Al picked up the accordion, which uh, is always an exciting audience. Oh, Dave has uh, more skank stuff for us. So, so the definition, so Frank handed me a note, uh, says the definition of skank is to dance the skank. Very informative, Frank. We should call him Frank the Skank. <laughs> Intern Skank. <laughs> New t-shirt, t-shirt. yeah. <laughs> Although we like intern skank. <laughs> um, so Al started talking about with his accordion up uh, how he's gotten this family-friendly image and uh, he doesn't mind it. It's you know he ends up being the soundtrack to many family road trips. Um, he says you know there's there's no uh, swear words, nothing to make Granny sweat her panties. No, it was uh, Granny, uh, I think it was Granny Soil, her panties. Was it Soil? Yeah. Okay. I've heard him say Soil before. It sounded like sweat to me this time. Um, so Granny definitely soiled her panties. And um, uh, so he said, uh, but most of my songs this tour, um, I've noticed, are dark, twisted, and horrifically violent like this one. And then played uh, I Remember Larry. <laughs> and um, it was, from my seat... Um, I, I really had a good view of Bermuda, uh, at least Bermuda's face. Um, so that was that was nice because usually um, it seems like I can just see Al, Jim, and Steve, and then um, you know I, I just happen to be able to see Bermuda. So that was nice to have uh, some Bermuda action. Um, and I definitely noticed Al was getting really sweaty uh, during. I remember Larry, and uh, honestly, I I don't know why he's not more sweaty. I mean that guy. We've seen him performing in 100 degree weather uh with costumes on dancing around and i i don't know how he does that um so after i remember larry um al's talked about the rumor that there's a movie coming out and uh this time he mentioned that it's premiering at the toronto international film festival and will be on roku tv and i a roku channel and i don't know if he's he definitely hasn't said the toronto one before but i don't know if he said that it's coming out on roku before 
Um, but it seemed like he, he definitely was making a point. Uh, he said there's a new song he recorded and he'd like to play it now. Uh, which, of course, he does not. Um, uh, but there was a couple of stick hits from Bermuda and I think a uh, bass pedal um, of Bermuda. And then he said, well, I wish I could because it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I so cannot wait to hear this song. And, uh, oh, geez, it's just, it sounds like it's going to be amazing. I it sounds like it's going to be amazing. And uh, this is, by the way, this is uh, where you guys are recording this the day after. Uh, technically, where it will drop the new song, Scarif Beach Party. So uh, it's obviously not going to be that song, but uh, it's, it's uh, just a coincidence, I guess, that there is a new Weird Al song out. But it's not the one that I want to hear. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, and I'm sure Dave will talk about that on the, uh, the next Inch episode we record. Um, in more detail, uh, we've lo- lots of thoughts about the uh, Star Wars special, and um, so. Uh, but no, Al did not mention Scarif Beach Party at the show. That is a spoiler, uh, I guess. <laughs> if it is a spoiler, if I mention it during the review, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, so Al said, but I can play uh, the you know the title track from my my last uh, film. So he played UHF and. Uh, I always just love the lights in UHF, so I was trying to take some pictures. Um, but the damn, the darn, <laughs> the gosh darn security guy was uh, in all of my pictures. So I was like trying so hard to like f- crop him out, but it was not. Uh, it was not <laughs> very easy. Um, so after UHF, Al said, "I can definitely sense uneasiness in the crowd." You guys are all thinking, it's the first week of August. Al, when are you going to play some Christmas music? Uh, so he then said he's going to play one of his uh, two Christmas songs. And uh, I don't know, Dave, you want to try and uh, guess which one? Uh, well, I have a 50-50 shot on this one. I'm going to say... It's actually more of like a 70-30. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with The Night Santa Went Crazy. You're right. It was The Night Santa Went Crazy. And... Um, it was um, it was great. Do you, do you have any any uh, anything that you noticed? Um, not in particular, but I did notice. Like when I was sitting in the front with uh, Jacinta and Barb, uh, Jacinta had an extra front row seat, so she was gracious enough to let me sit with her and her her people. Um, a lot of people down in the front, they were really getting into this song, kind of dancing in their seats, singing along. So it was super awesome. It was a, definitely a great number. I, I love hearing it live. So. Yeah, for sure. And I was thinking about how, um, I know Dave, you, you said 50-50 chance because there's two Christmas songs, but Al definitely plays um, The Night Santa Went Crazy much more often this tour than he plays Christmas at Ground Zero. And I was thinking about it while he was playing it last night, and I think it's because, honestly, The Night Santa Went Crazy is just a, a much more popular song between the two. So I think that's him doing fan service uh, by having that be a little bit heavier uh, rotation. I don't know if it's more popular or not. It's probably more recent, so it might be fresher in people's mind. But I, both of them were released as singles. I, I definitely feel like the crowd reacts much stronger when he when it's the night Santa went yeah. crazy. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. And I, you know, I, I'm just I get excited when he plays Christmas at Ground Zero because I don't hear it as often. But I think if you're a Weird Al fan and you're going to one show and maybe you're 
closer to my age and, and uh, Bad Hair Day is your first album, you might be more inclined to want to hear that one. Um, I'm not sure, but... So, I'd say, I really love Christmas at Ground Zero. I want to say that was probably... That was the first one I heard. I like it a whole lot better than uh, The Night's Hand Went Crazy. Yeah, I'm trying to remember where we ranked it in our top five, but I feel like Christmas at Ground Zero. Well, I, whatever. He played. <laughs> I like Christmas at Ground Zero. Yeah, I'm not sharing. You know, I'm not saying that I am more excited about one, but just by audience reaction, it, it's the I hear more gasps and like, oh, oh, wow, when when um, uh, Night Santa went crazy starts. But um, I don't know. I could be imagining that, but both Alexis and I said it, so. Um, so it has to be right if we both said it. That's right. right. <laughs> um, so Al, Al said, uh, <clears throat> I've been recording music for a long time, and I'll be the first to admit that some of my songs have aged poorly. And um, he, uh, he said, um, so you have to think about this song in the proper context when people would have been impressed by a 2,000-inch TV. Um <laughs> And I feel like this is, you know, when Al Al said uh, a similar introduction to that, I feel like he's he's sort of um, <laughs> he's tricking the audience because I, I think when people hear that they're not thinking um, Frank's two thousand inch TV. They may be thinking um, of yeah, uh, Jackie just said buy me a condo or some of the other ones that I, I hear people. You know some of the Michael Jackson songs, or or the fact that you know fat is is uh, is making fun of overweight people, or something like that. You know people have different opinions about what may or may not have aged poorly. So I think it's it's kind of a fun um, fun guessing game, a fun guessing game, and I think a, a fun little joke at the audience for Al. Um, but of course, uh, he then performed Frank's two thousand inch TV. Yes, and. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I was imagining this. I don't know if this was an audio issue, but um, when Al sang the line, everything is magnified, I heard him go, everything is, like, it sounded like he gulped. <laughs> everything is magnified. Uh, so I don't know if he had a burp or... It did, it did, now that I'm thinking about it, it did kind of sound like there was, like, a little bit of, like, a hiccup or, like... Yeah, like a hiccup maybe, or... like, his throat, like, kind of, like, got caught on Like a dry... Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was... Um, yeah, I, I think you'd have to have, you know, seen the song a bunch and been paying close attention like Alexis and I were. Um, so Al uh, talked about how uh, it's strange. Phone yeah. Oh, um, thank you for including that for the record. You are so <laughs> Add that to the spreadsheet. Alexis is using my phone charger. Um, so... He said, there's strange times right now. We're bombarded with internet and cable news. Um, but I, I like America's most trusted news source, the Midnight Star. And um, it was, it was a, a fine rendition of Midnight Star. And, um, you know, there's the, not, not the fingernail lights, but the, uh, the kind of, what, is, what do you call those lights? I know what you mean. The, you mean the, crescent. the crescent moon, yeah. Crescent Moonlights. Um, so right after, um, right after Midnight Star, uh, both Steve and Bermuda stood up and walked off, 
and um, Al says, oh, yeah, it's, it's about the time that our uh, rhythm section goes gremlin hunting. Uh, so now, now we're just a uh, power trio, so I suppose it's time for a power ballad. And um, he said it's dedicated to our close personal friends, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And, of course, then played You Don't Love Me Anymore. And, um, you know, I, I uh, have been looking forward to You Don't Love Me Anymore performances because we've uh, or I've seen Al two times do the fake out with uh, picking up a random instrument. Um, but he did not do that um, tonight. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Um, Alexis looked like she was about to say something. But, um, yeah, he did not do a fake out. And I think he was distracted because um, the entire audience decided that You Don't Love Me Anymore was going to be the uh, phone flashlight lighter song. Yes. So uh, it was pretty remarkable seeing that many people all shining their lights and holding up real lighters and and that kind of stuff. So that was... um, it was yeah, very, very like cool. Snack in your car. Yeah. All right, cool. And now Alexis is eating a snack in the car. You too. Uh, so um, when, you know, Al does the pause at the end before saying the final anymore, um, a lot of people fell for it. And they I heard a lot of people going, anymore. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, <laughs> and now I, I don't think I mentioned this, but... Uh, and I don't know if you knew this, Dave, but um, the show at Indian Ranch was my 27th show this tour. Ooh, wow. Ooh, very cool. 27 shows in one tour. That's incredible. I think it took me, I don't know, 10 years, 11 years to get 27 shows, and you've done it all in one tour. Yeah, I, I've never been anywhere close to 27 shows in one tour. I, um, I think last night was lifetime show, like, number, like, like eight or nine i think for me and i'm do- going to 11 this this tour wow yeah, that's a lot for me <laughs> it's, it's a it's a lot it's a lot for anyone it's ridiculous um but uh, i guess in you know I, I wanted to mention that because in uh in all these shows um i don't think i've ever heard al acknowledge the audience shining lights um and so he did acknowledge it at the end of the song he said that was beautiful you guys um, which was really cool. And um, he said, that was beautiful, you guys. Nice. And um, at this point, Ruben got up and left. And John Bermuda came back and sat down. And then Al looked over where Steve would be. And he said, oh, I guess Steve's still gremlin hunting. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he said, so we can do... Um, so I guess while he's gone, we can do our White Stripes pastiche. It's a song about the greatest human being. And um, then went into um, CNR. And um, I wanted to mention during um, You Don't Love Me Anymore. um, So Steve didn't actually leave the stage. He just went over to the side. And I saw him chatting with uh, Melissa, the tour manager. And uh, I saw both of them kind of crouched down, taking pictures with their phone and like, (laughs) <laughs> talking about something so I don't know what was going on but I, uh, during CNR Steve again was taking pictures of the audience and um, uh, so after CNR uh, Steve came back and um, and Al said oh look Steve's back I think this calls for a harpsichord solo 
and uh, Ruben did a, a very magnificent harpsichord solo. And um, I was also trying to think, I don't know if, if um, I've noticed it before or if it, it's happened before at a concert I've been to, but Steve was off two songs in a row. Do you recall that happening, Dave? Yeah, I do recall that happening, and I want to say it was at, and this is going from memory, I want to say it was at uh, the show we were at in Pennsylvania. Uh, I feel like oh, it was Wilkes-Barre? at Wilkes-Barre. But maybe, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But I definitely have seen him off stage two songs in a row before. Yeah, maybe that's on purpose. Maybe they're like, oh, we'll just give Steve. Yeah, because Steve's the only one who leaves more than once. Um, so after uh, the harpsichord solo, they, of course, went into the uh, song Melanie. Um, and uh, Melanie, it's known for two things. It's known for the fingernail lights that get brighter as the song progresses, and it's known for Bermuda hitting that little uh, button that makes a meow, and I saw both of those in, uh, in great detail, and it's very cool seeing um, the really bright fingernail lights at an outdoor venue where it's, it's so dark. Um, so it looked really great. I felt, like, I felt like because it was an outdoor venue and it was like naturally like it was it felt like a lot it would it was a lot darker than it would have been in like an indoor venue that the the that those lights were more prominent and they stood out a lot more to me than the other shows that I've been to where he's played Melanie yeah it definitely um was impressive seeing the lights in the outdoor venue um so after Melanie Al said well we had a drum solo and we had a harpsichord solo and then he slowly turns to Steve and he goes Steve, I'm so sorry. Bass solo! <laughs> so Steve, um, he played like a, a little lick on the bass and then stopped. And then he played a little bit more and stopped. And he was playing kind of the bass line um, from First World Problems. And so he did it and stopped, did it, stopped, did it, stop, And then finally uh, kept going and then they played First World Problems. I thought you were going with that bass solo. I thought Al was going to go with that bass solo. He said, I'm sorry, Steve. I thought he was going to say, I'm sorry, Steve, but we just don't have time for a bass solo. What a missed opportunity. <laughs> is that a Dave suggestion? That's a Dave suggestion. That is indeed a Dave suggestion. <laughs> I think that would be kind of funny to, to tease that, you know, everybody in the band has done a guitar. I mean, we've done a... a drum solo we've done a harpsichord solo i know 45 minute 45 minute, yeah, 45 minute power g chord there's only one band member who has not had a chance to shine and uh oh, we don't have time for it <laughs> that would have been great so uh i'll i'll um i'll co-sign that dave it's suggestions. co-signed by from dave's suggestion uh <laughs> Why did he apologize to Steve? Because Steve was switching his bass guitar and was like not not ready. So he's like, I'm so sorry, Steve. And he was like kind of pausing to let Steve get plugged in. And then as soon as Steve was plugged in, he pointed at him and was bass solo. Um, so uh, after First World Problems, um, I, I don't know. It was during either First World Problems or Melanie that... Um, or definitely after CNR, Alexis, that you and I had texted each other briefly uh, because you were really hoping for Airline Amy. And so once he played CNR and that, you know, that used up the jingle dingle. You, you, you broke the news to me 
in real time and you were like sorry <laughs> yeah because as soon as he did that i was like oh well that means he probably isn't doing airline amy i mean there was still a chance at that point but with each passing song that chance got lower and lower you know i i think that's a personal attack on me by yankovic himself because he's like oh alexis is here airline amy nah last second change no, I, I think Al just doesn't play Airline Amy when he's in a, in Rhode Island. Yeah, also also true, also true. Um, but so I knew we were kind of running out of time because we were getting near the end of the show, and he also still hadn't used the cowbell yet. So it's like, well, that takes up one of the slots. So um, this was first world problems was your last chance at um, at getting Airline Amy this set, and it did not. You did not get it. Uh, but after First World Problems, um, Al started talking about how he met the band. I uh, talked about meeting Bermuda on the Dr. Demento show. <laughs> talked about meeting Ruben on Grinder, yes. And then he said he met uh, back in 1982. Um, he was at a Bennigan's restaurant. And he said, I didn't know they even had a lounge. And then he said, do they even still have Bennigan's? <laughs> Uh, he said, anyway, he was at this uh, divey, sleazy, grungy lounge at Bennigan's, and uh, Jim and Steve were playing. And um, <clears throat> when he saw them, uh, he, uh, he asked them to join the band, and then he uh, offered them a 40-year contract on the spot. And he said it ran out last week, actually. So I re-signed them for a 60-year contract. And he said that they're due for a raise in about 30 minutes. <laughs> so uh, then went into um, what, Dave, you probably would have called the Bennigan's version of Dare to be Stupid, uh, lounge version. And... Uh, uh, I wrote down, thought you were joking. Oh, that was because of uh, when he said the wooden nickels line. It reminded me that um, one of our friends thought we were joking about having wooden nickels. Um, but, of course, uh, when Al um, asked uh, for a volunteer, I did raise my right hand. And uh, the person right behind me burst out laughing that I raised my hand. <laughs> Alexis, did you raise your hand? I did not. What? I had I had uh, beverages in both hands. What? Well, I always make sure my hands are clear so I can volunteer. Well, uh, Jackie, did you raise your hand? Uh, I did not. I also did not raise my hand. I think you're outnumbered in this car. Uh, overruled. <laughs> overruled. <laughs> well, the lady behind me liked it. So, um, so after after Dare to Be Stupid, Al said, you know, this biopic uh, I mentioned earlier has been on my mind a lot. Um, cause, um, I already wrote a whole, uh, you know, a whole song about his life and went into Albuquerque. Oh, this is, ooh. And, um, I noticed something during Albuquerque that I don't know if I've ever mentioned in the podcast before, or, or I'm sure it's been discussed because I can't be the first person to notice this. Um, but Al mentions winning a first class one-way ticket and um, I actually flew, I got to fly first class recently, uh, thanks to friend of the podcast, KC, got me an upgrade with her expiring points on my way home from Chicago, and or not home from Chicago, home from um, Minnesota, and in first class, there's only two seats 
uh, on each side of the aisle. So how is Al between two large Albanian women? So he's sitting on the aisle. There was one on one side from of him, and there was one on the across the aisle from him. It also, who was he flying with? It depends on the configuration of the aircraft. Right, and it depends what time in in time he's telling this story, because some of the older aircrafts had smaller seats for first class. All right, all right. I see you guys have all thought about this very intently. Glad we're not. I'm glad we didn't get into our adventures of coming home from Minnesota because oh, that's an entire podcast by itself. Yeah, I. You know, we we uh, our 29 centimeter was, I think, the longest review we've ever done. And yeah, somehow, thankfully, we did not get into uh, getting home. But yeah, I I flew in first class both flights. Um, I had a little bit of delay, but no no real issues, and I got home fine. Um, how was your flight, Dave? Oh, sorry. It was horrible. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. I mean, I've never had this happen before. So, the, the, you know, I guess there's weather delays back in Newark, and we ended up uh, getting bumped several times. They kept bumping the time further and further and further back. They actually at one point said, there's an opening. We're, everyone get on the airplane now. It was funny because I was just trying to get my steps in, and the airport in Minneapolis is huge, and it's really well laid out. It's a really nice airport, but... It is huge, and I was just kind of getting my steps in, so I was literally at the furthest point I could possibly be from our gate, where, and I get a text from Jackie that says, oh, they're loading the plane up, get here immediately. So I had to run the entire length of (laughs) Minneapolis Airport. There were like, luckily there were some uh, of those really long moving walkways that I could run on to really looked like I was running really fast but I had to run to get there I made it there in time and then Jackie's like oh I gotta sit next to a sweaty person on this flight but anyway we get on the plane and this has never happened to me before they sit us down they're getting ready to go through you know to push us off and they say well we just got a call from Newark uh, you know uh, that we can't land for we can't even take off for another two and a half hours so um, rather than have you guys sit on the plane we're gonna make you we're gonna let you at least get off and go back in the airport so that was crazy, and then I have a story too. <laughs> so I got off, and I ended up ended up finishing my walk, and again I was at the furthest point where I was back, pretty much in the same exact spot I was earlier, and uh, I got another text from Jackie. They're like, "Oh, they're not loading for another half hour, so at least I had time to walk back." And Jackie's got a story she wants yeah. to share. So I was pretty much over this because we ended up being delayed by like five hours, and I had stuff to do, and I had to work the next day, and was unhappy. So when they took us off the plane, I was like, we need to just find a place that has a table to sit so I can, like, do other stuff. Because I had to guard all our crap while you're, you know, being adventuring around the airport. And so we sit down, and I'm like, all right, we're going to be parked at this table. At this point, we thought it was going to be, like, two hours. It wasn't actually that long. So I'm like, all right, I'll order a drink. And I get the drink menu, and the glass of wine was 9 bucks. The entire bottle was fourteen fifty. And let me tell you how much time I sat there going, I should just buy the bottle. You should have. <laughs> I should have. But then what I did was I bought the glass and it and I it kind of like, I was using it kind of as a, I'm here, like, don't bother me. Don't ask us to leave this table. Yeah. And then when they're like, oh, yeah, we're loading. And all of a sudden they were like, yeah, we're loading in a half hour. I had to slam that. Oh. So, you know, if, if Jackie had drunk the entire bottle of wine, I mean, no one would have cared that Dave was sweaty because Jackie would have been belligerent. <laughs> like, 
But yeah, fourteen dollars for a bottle of wine, that's, man. That's not I, bad. I thought long and hard about that. <laughs> that's cheaper than some duty free stuff you get at the airport. <laughs> it was yeah, it, uh, you know I feel bad that you guys had such a terrible flight experience, but. Uh, I was just happy that it wasn't me for a change no, because totally. <laughs> yeah, you, you had that uh, that was it coming back from LA? Yeah, I got yeah. stuck in in Washington. I you know I had uh, problems getting out to Minnesota. So now, now um, my question for the three of you guys is: Who did you fly with to get delayed that bad? United. It wasn't it wasn't their fault. It was weather on the ground at, at Newark. They had lightning, and when they have lightning, they shut everything down. And then when we when they loaded us on the plane, the reason why they unloaded us is when we were getting there, like that's when all their international flights get in and they can't divert them. So they were like, well, your options are going to be we're going to fly in circles in the sky around Newark or be diverted or we can just leave later. So we left later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, overall, we've had good experiences on United. But I mean, for the, but yeah, this was just a weird, strange thing to happen to us. <laughs> but it, it was bizarre because you guys were supposed to leave like an hour or two before me from the airport um in in uh minneapolis but i ended up you know on my plane and i I mentioned i was flying first class so dave you were texting me about like your plane getting delayed and i was like yeah um my uh cup rest has marble on it (laughs) like and i was like i I had to follow that up with i'm not joking (laughs) It was pretty cool flying first class. Um, and wasn't it you, Alexis, who asked me about if there was a Prince oh, thing? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, because when I was, um, I had a layover in Minneapolis. I was leaving Winnipeg. I saw Elton John a couple of years ago. And um, a Prince, I was told a Prince exhibit had opened up in one of the concourses, but I wasn't able... Yeah, I wasn't able to go see it because uh, a woman had a medical emergency on my plane. My one-hour layover turned into a 10-minute mad dash across the airport. Because my, my boarding pass to Phoenix didn't have a gate number on it, so I had to go find a gate agent. I'm like, where's my where's my flight? Where is it? And he was like, oh, it's you know across the across the concourse, across the airport. And so I had to run, and I made it as they were boarding the plane, and it was terrible. Yeah, so I, I was just gonna say that that on my one of my walks, I did get to actually see the Prince store, and and if you're a fan of Prince, it was a, I mean, there was a like a guitar in there and like a big purple chair you could sit in and stuff. But I mean, it was it was I guess it, it, again, this airport was pretty cool to walk around. But I guess we're really far off the topic of Indian Ranch. <laughs> well, well, I, I do want to say about the Prince store. I walked past it, but um, I did not make eye contact with the store, as per tradition. Uh, <laughs> Of course, referencing the old story of Prince uh, Prince's management telling Al not to make eye contact with him at uh, the Grammys. So, um, we're back to Albuquerque. <laughs> oh, that, it's Albuquerque's fault. It's Frank's fault that we started talking about airports. Yes, thank you, Frank. Thank you, Skank intern Frank. Uh, skank, Skank the Frank, Frank the Skank intern. Um, so. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, Alexis, but when he does the who is it, who is it, who is it, the second who is it, he kind of did in a weird voice, uh, not the normal like, who is it, it was more like, who is it, or something like, like that. Like Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, well, I don't know if it was Pee Wee, but it was like, it was definitely just a, an interesting, different voice. I don't know if you noticed that. Honestly, I didn't because I was too busy yelling along with him. So. <laughs> um. Now, he did pause and apologize for hermaphrodite, um, and uh, he did not say working 
sexual organs or whatever, as per um, Jackie let him know on our podcast. Um, but what was really interesting is when he was talking about, um, you know, usually when he says, when I wrote this song in the 90s, it was not considered a, more of a medical term, you know, that whole thing. Well, what he specifically said was, when I wrote this song 30 years ago. And so um, I'm wondering, do you think Al misspoke or do you think he was revealing that he wrote Albuquerque in 1992? What's your thought, Dave? I, that's, I think that's a, maybe, I don't know what was going on. Maybe, uh, maybe you know, you said that there was something about marijuana in the start of this. <laughs> maybe Al walked too close to that booth or something because it sounds like he was off. Well, he was I, I did were, see, you know, smoke rising from the roof of the green room attached to the stage ah. uh, <laughs> no they were it was like there was a kitchen back there that's what it was <laughs> but um yeah i don't i don't know what uh, uh that's an excellent question Ooh. jackie asked do we know how old dick's automotive is and i'm going to ask frank to look into that but yeah i feel uh, my my uh my thought is that um is that Al probably misspoke because that just why would he write a song 30 years ago and not put it out for another seven years uh, I, I just have received a message from Frank uh, the song was released in uh, 1995 oh so <laughs> okay, he probably so did not write <laughs> he probably did not write Albuquerque before Dick's Automotive since it's essentially a parody of Dick's Automotive well so maybe Al misspoke maybe we were um, in the future in Rhode Island? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going with the, the walking past too close to the marijuana booth. Okay, okay. That's 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 fair. Um, so, uh, of course, I wrote down the, the donuts that Al did. And I know that we've heard, you know, all these great other ones uh, recently. Um, I was actually speaking with Blair Friedman. Um, uh, I don't know when I spoke to him, but we were talking and, and he said that we always on the podcast say that Al said Marionberry, the the uh, the crack mayor. No, he he said Mar Maryberry. That's so. That's what um, that's what Blair said is that we're mishearing him and Al saying Maryberry. She's um she's one of the uh, judges on uh great the Great British Bake Off, I believe. Correct. Yes. Um, but uh, so I was specifically listening for that tonight. Uh, at the show, but I heard Mary and Barry. I heard him. I heard. I heard two syllables. So maybe he switches it up. Maybe. But um. Blair needs Q-tips. Maybe Alexis needs Q-tips. I don't know. Maybe maybe you need to mind your business. But um, but he said Mary and Barry, or Mary Barry, uh, Holly Barry, Chuck Barry. There was no Dingleberry. There was no uh, Snozberry. There was there was no uh, extra. No, yeah, no. Halle Berry seems to be the the most the donut that gets the most all like audience reaction when he's oh definitely. But um, we're we're just still hoping that he will uh, take our suggestions for you know Frankenberry and Booberry and Frankenberry. He did, but I'm always still hoping that he continues with it. So he's at he's at or last time he was at 26. Did he make it to 27? It was just 25. So um, he was back to just way wrong way i know i was so <laughs> bummed um so then um you know the part where al says it's tearing me apart he said quite literally tearing me apart um then when uh during during the weasel scene of course 
And then um, when it came to the uh, pet names, he said Sweetie Pumpkin, Honey Muffin, Poopsie Whoopsie. (laughs) (laughs) And um, Dave, I don't know if you've noticed this before, but um, when Al gets to the part where he's like um, saying like, oh, I I don't know where we are in the song or I lost my train of thought. um, I noticed it tonight and I've noticed it at other shows. People usually yell out thinking that Al is actually like stuck. And so I heard a couple of people yell out, Albuquerque, you're singing Albuquerque. I, I, I heard one guy, he he screamed, he was like, sauerkraut, and just like screamed it. I love that. That reminds me of uh, of the time that when Al used to show video clips in his concerts and he was playing that weird, the Al Yankovic movie, a fake trailer, and people always, always thought that was real. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I remember having arguments with people where people were like, uh, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. And I was like, you know, that's fake, right? And they're like, no, it's not. I'm like, <laughs> yes, it is. Like, the trailer came out 10 years ago. Without a doubt, that was always, always at least one person that thought that was real and could not be convinced otherwise. And our intern, Frank, is sending me a, another message. And it's saying that not only is there actually, you know, the person we talked about, Marion Barry, the disgraced mayor of, or mayor, I guess, of uh, Washington, D.C., but there is actually an actual Barry called the Marion Barry. It's M-A-R-I-O-N-B-E-R-R-Y. So I'm wondering if if he's, if that's an actual real thing. Yeah, maybe that's what he's saying. Maybe he's not been mentioning the cracked mayor this whole time, or (laughs) Mary, who knows? Um, so d- this is the, the craziest thing. So Al gets to the part where he forgets, and this is my 27th show this tour. I'm pretty accustomed to him then starting the song over. Well, Al, Al said, uh, went right into, well, what I'm really trying to say is I hate sauerkraut. He did not do the repeat. No. He did not start over. He just went right through the song regular. Did you have... That was, that was just good. Yeah, Jackie said. I said if that's, he mentioned a curfew at the beginning of the yeah, show. I bet was, that's why. Yeah, yeah it was it? Uh, was my first thought was too. Was it coming up on that ten o'clock curfew? Yep. So that's what I was thinking as well. So I wrote down the time right when he did not do the repeat, and it was nine forty p.m. at that point. So yeah. definitely was starting to get close. Yeah. So um, that must have been why. Yeah. But um, so after, so he went, and usually the line is crazy old mixed up universe of ours and al said crazy mixed up world of ours um and uh ended the save a couple extra seconds by not saying universe just saying world he narrowed two three syllables down to to one yes very smart al um yeah maybe that's why he said providence and not uh indian ranch providence yeah, that's that's saving. Saving a lot of time by not saying the name of that lake, Lake Chaka Chaka Waka, Chaka Munka Munka Hunka Funka. So then, uh, then uh, of course they end the, sh- the you know they go into the uh, the pre encore pretending they're backstage, and this is one of the best ones I've ever seen. Um, yes. So the first thing. I noticed was Ruben came out um, and I, my first time seeing Ruben all night and he's wearing shorts. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I've never seen Ruben on stage wearing shorts. It was very weird. <laughs> How did you feel about Ruben wearing shorts? Um, 
I was kind of like, oh, that's a that's a first. <laughs> <laughs> you think he was pandering to Jacinta? Oh, maybe, uh, maybe. Uh, ooh, yeah. Actually, he. Um, I think he did kind of come up and he like pointed at her and like pointed at her shirt. That was at the end. Yeah. End. Oh, was it? Oh, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> you need note. You need a notebook. <laughs> um, now, so I saw Ruben Shorts. He came up, was standing next to Steve. They're waving to the audience. And then they kind of locked arms and started doing like a little jig together. <laughs> they started doing a dance, Steve and Ruben. Um, and then uh, I noticed Bermuda had his cloth, but instead of um, cleaning the drum shield, he was polishing the bongo. Did you did you see how um, Hawkeye and Bermuda were tugging the bongo back yes. and forth? Yes. So what happened was, um, and of course they were playing around, but... Um, so while Bermuda was polishing the bongo, his hand got stuck inside the bottom of the bongo. So he went over to Hawkeye, and Hawkeye's like pulling oh on one God. end. I they're they doing. Were, I thought they were just playing tug of war with the bongo. No, Bermuda had his hand inside, <laughs> and so then finally it popped off. And then Bermuda started polishing it again, and got his arm stuck again, and they had to pull it off again. It was, awesome. it was so great. Awesome. I love that they're coming up with all these silly things to do. Um, so Al, Al decided to do an encore, and he said, uh, um, we're going to do an audience request. And, of course, everyone starts yelling. And blah, blah, blah. Um, and he's like, no, we're going to do this a little bit different. We're, you know, we're going to pick one person, um, and they'll, they'll give us the request. And then Al, uh, you know, there were a lot of people who got up and were leaving at this point, probably to beat the traffic. And Al went, why are you leaving? This is the best part. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so then uh, he ended up picking uh, Jim. Uh, Jim, Jim Kimo West, the Grammy Award winning Jim Kimo West. And Jim, Jim said... Um, I always love a little David Bowie, so how about Suffragette City? And that was the uh, cover song, Suffragette City, by uh, David Bowie. Cool. I actually... Uh, we've seen that. We've, uh, Jackie and I have seen that. I don't know if you were there or not, but I've definitely seen Suffragette City before. Yeah, cool. I feel like... I, I don't know if we ever... I don't know if we ever posted it or if we ever will post it, but when we did our, our guessing game, um, I think for Wilkesbury. Um, I think wasn't Suffragette City your guest, Dave, for the cover song that it night? It was your guest, Jackie. Okay, I knew someone um, had guessed it, but I don't know. It was. It's one of those songs where the whole audience is kind of singing along, so it's just it's really fun um, when uh, he does a cover like that where the whole audience is involved. And um, how, how did you feel about the song, Alexis? Um, I thought it was a uh, awesome. I hadn't heard it yet. Um, that co- that cover song, uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I, this was my first time seeing Al perform it live, so I really enjoyed it. Um, thought it was really great, and uh, I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at uh, the spreadsheet that Brad Heber put together, and he's played this on tour before on six fifteen, which I don't know what that is. So, not one that we've been to. I, not not on this tour have we been to it. Um, was that Maybe it was Colorado. Um, <laughs> So, uh, you know, he said uh, he wanted to sincerely thank you for coming out and supporting this tour. And then um, he's like, I've got one more song. Oh, San Francisco. 
It was in San Francisco. So one more song. And he was definitely stalling for Jim because Jim was like still tuning. Okay. <laughs> and um, and uh, then they went into the unplugged medley. And as they started the unplugged medley, uh, and I started writing it down, you know, Amish Paradise, Smells Like Nirvana, White Nerdy, Word Crimes, Yoda Yoda Chant. After I wrote Yoda Chant, I was like, oh, wait, I wonder if they're going to do the Yoda chant or if they're going to cut it for time tonight because it you know that definitely takes like I don't know I think you've timed it Dave it's like five to eight minutes to do the photo, the Yoda chant right I, I think the whole encore or the whole uh, medley is 10 minutes so the Yoda chant is a pretty big chunk of that you know? yeah so I was definitely wondering if it was going to be cut um, but thankfully it was not uh, they did the the whole unplugged medley they did the chant and um they finished and started taking their bows at 9.56, just four minutes before curfew. What a guy. What a band. <laughs> it was great. Um, they, they made it, and um, we, we had such a great, great experience at the show. Um, we, a number of our friends, including Jacinta and Barb, um, Tina and uh, Jen, they all had uh, after show. So... Um, we tried to get a, a couple pictures just with group, you know some of the people who were left, um, and then we met up with uh, Alicia and Gus, yes. and um, started walking back. But then uh, they decided they wanted um, to grab a bottle of water from the vending machine, so <clears throat> um, they didn't have any money. But I had all t- dollar bills from my parking experience, so I gave them three bucks. And they pushed for the Aquafina, and a orange soda came out. <laughs> and uh, you know they were like they were annoyed because they're like we don't even like orange soda. And then they looked up, and on top of the vending machine was another sealed orange soda. So it oh, definitely wow. like happened to someone else. Um, but luckily, Jeremy Samples was right. Uh, his car was parked right near there. And I remember from Chicago, he told me that. His tradition after every Weird Al show is he drinks an orange soda. So I gifted Jeremy those two sun-kissed orange sodas before he took off. Um, so then we were walking. We were, we're pretty much the last people walking out at this point. Um, and we're getting up kind of past where all the RVs and campers are parked. And this... Um, <laughs> this visibly drunk woman came over to our group. Carol. Her name was Carol. And she was the she was the like epitome of like middle-aged New England woman who's never left the region in her life. And she's she's what we all turn as as a native New Englander myself that we all eventually turn into Carol. And <laughs> Well, so Carol was was very uh Frisky, I guess I'll say. Uh, she was. She came over. She was. She was very intrigued by Alicia's hat, Billy, and was talking to us. And um, she turns to me and she's like, "You, you must be a chef." And I was like, "No." And then she's like, "Your name is Chef Boy Oh Boy." <laughs> I think she was trying to say Boy R D. <laughs> But so she called me Chef Boy Oh Boy, um, and then, and then she, she's like, she she looks at all of us and she's like, um, she goes, are you guys like 
like couples and we were like well you know Gus and Alicia are married and she looks at me and Ethan and she's like are you guys together and we were just like uh no <laughs> well then you said she kept insisting oh, so you she, s- I said something about she was like she said oh I'm 67 I messed up I never had any kids and then I made a comment of just like not having kids and she's like oh well you're gonna get pregnant tonight and I was just like <laughs> <laughs> and I jokingly said, I was like, oh, Ethan's my, my BD. He's my uh, baby daddy. And she's like, B-E-D. <laughs> yeah, she she heard B-E-D. She's like, oh, you guys are going to B-E-D tonight. <laughs> she was so drunk and so hilarious. <laughs> and she, and she, she drove away on her golf cart. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if there's laws against golf carting while intoxicated. <laughs> um yeah, after after the whole interaction, we, uh, um, we realized we probably should have turned on the voice recorder because it would have made a great uh, stinger at the end of the show. Her screaming, boy, oh boy, I, chef, boy, oh boy. I wish we recorded that so bad. <laughs> I do too. I, yeah, I didn't even think about it. Um, but yeah, Drunk Carol. Uh, six- shout, shout out to Drunk Carol. She made our entire night. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. So then... Um, uh, yeah, so we we went uh, got some gas, and then um, uh, Alexis and I were sharing an Airbnb, which was it was pretty nice. It was I, it was a very nice my for my first you know time staying at an Airbnb. I thoroughly enjoyed it. You you picked out a good one. Yeah, he's and good at, he's good at Airbnb. I, yeah, I, I I mean I'm not I'm no expert, but I, I, I've I've lucked out and and found some good places, and um, I don't know how your room was, <laughs> Alexis, but. Uh, there, so there were two bedrooms and uh, a bathroom and a very, very tiny kitchen. It was a very small third floor of this like giant house. And um, we got in and there's this one door that opened and there was just like stairs and the door was unlocked. And it was just kind of creepy to think that like someone could just walk yeah. up from the... And, and Ethan took the uh, idea upon himself to move the uh, towel basket in front of the door like that was going to stop anybody from coming in. <laughs> well, it wouldn't stop anyone, but at least it would let us know if someone did come in and mess around with our stuff. Um, but so there was there was a eight window unit AC in both rooms, and I'm definitely someone who melts if it's not like under 65 degrees when I'm sleeping. Um, and I, I just could not get cool enough so i ended up rearranging uh there was my room had like a twin bed and a queen bed and um i ended up sleeping on the twin bed but i pushed it all the way so my head was right in front of the ac unit because i was just so warm Uh, up in the attic you know the you know it was like 90 degrees out it was just um once i did that i was able to get get us get to sleep fine and then we um i don't know how, how was your experience with um with your room was it cool enough uh, it was it was pretty cool. It was very nice, very comfortable. Uh, I had no complaints. I also did not uh, play The Sims in real life and rearrange my bedroom in real time. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to move the queen bed over to the AC, but it just it, it wasn't going to work. So um, I just I uh, accepted my fate and went with the twin bed. And uh, then we got up and we drove to New Jersey, and <laughs> then we got in the car, and then now it's now. <laughs> And on the way, on the way to New Jersey in Connecticut, because it's always Connecticut's fault. Um, I almost rear-ended Ethan 
and that was very unfortunate. And I was almost rear-ended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just out of nowhere, we're going, you know, it's 55. We're going probably 50 at that point, and um, just everyone ahead of me slams on the brakes, so I slammed on the brakes. And, 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 and I, I, I went to go slam on my brakes, but that wasn't enough, so I had to cut my wheel. I heard my tires squeal, and I just, like, into the right lane, and I made it to... Uh, New Jersey about 10 minutes before Ethan did because of that. It just shot me so far in front of him. And I called him and I was just like, I'm so sorry. He was like, no, you recovered well. So never again. Now I'm never driving through the state of Connecticut again. I'm all- <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to get home? <laughs> uh, I'll, just, I'll just go like, yeah, go up through, you know, upstate New York. Go the long way. Western Mass. Yeah, go like 12 hours out of my way to avoid Connecticut. Connecticut and, and yeah it's terrible it like sucks. like 90 91 or 95 gets blocked up and then 84 gets blocked up and the whole state just comes to a halt like oh, yeah. it's just terrible yeah if we were doing these concert reviews back oh. when we were traveling uh previous tours I have tons of nightmare stories yeah. about going through Connecticut we would have slandered Connecticut long before this all right well it sounds like the both of you had a really good time at oh, the yes. Indian Ranch concert um I know we have one more bit of a thing we need to do. I need to pick a song uh, based on your descriptions of it. I had a couple of good candidates. Uh, Let me find my notebook. Uh, Had a couple good candidates. Um, (laughs) One of them was I I seemed to like the fact uh, that, you know, my own eyes seem to stick out for me a little bit. Uh, that's a potential one. You mentioned a little bit about uh, Jim's new, or Al's int- introduction of, quote, Jim's new arrangement, and, you know, the fact uh, you saw Ruben's crisp shadow and uh, the audience, uh, the lights lighting over the audience. Uh, my other choice was uh, You Don't Love Me Anymore, um, because I guess the lighting from the audience, uh, the, the cell phones and stuff, and but <laughs> the one that I have to go with, I have to go with, and uh, because just one comment uh, from, uh, well, let's hear the theme song and I'll tell you what it is. Uh, uh, we have to get Frank to play. Yes. It's Dave's pick of the night. <laughs> Based on the simple word skank and Johnny <laughs> O'Hearn doing skanks. I have to go for your horoscope for today as Dave's pick of the night. All right. Well, Dave, um, as people who have uh, listened all the way through, ever since we started um, doing Dave's pick of the night and then Ethan guessing Dave's pick of the night, um, I was on a roll and I got many, many of them correct in a row. Um, And that streak was broken last episode. Dave, when you decided to manipulate the game and you started uh manipulating it and i obviously still haven't recovered uh from that manipulation because um i will reveal what i chose as dave's pick of the night it's ethan's prediction of dave's pick of the night So Ethan's prediction for Dave's pick of the night was not your horoscope for today. I went with Suffragette City. I thought it, it was uh, it was a more uh, exciting one. There, were, you know, I know what you like when Al has you know a lot of the audience participation. Um, 
and uh, being that it's it's one that you hadn't heard yet this tour, uh, that, that those were my uh, thoughts. My second choice pick would have been Albuquerque because it was such a unique version of Albuquerque uh, with all the changes and and uh, um, you know not repeating and, and the the stuff. Uh, so I I would would not have even considered your horoscope for today. That's fair. Those are those are fair decisions. I, I you know, it, I suffer a little. I suffer, suffragette. I suffer a little bit uh, actually from uh, not seeing the, the, the audience participation. So you know, it's very potential. Had I been there, I may have picked Suffragette City uh, for sure. Albuquerque definitely sounded unique with the fact that he didn't he did not uh, redo it. But yeah, I mean, I, I, this is. I, it's so hard to pick when I'm not there, but just just a fun conversation that we had about. And I learned a new word. I learned that skank means to dance the skank. <laughs> and uh, Dave, if if there was going to be a Dave's uh, pick of the night non music, I have to assume that you would have picked our conversation with Drunk Carol. <laughs> You ruined it. I was gonna have I was gonna have uh, intern Frank play the theme song again, so I could tell you what my my non my non musical pick of the night was. Oh man! I, well, I guess I'm not gonna hear the theme song again. But yeah, it's Drunk Carol for sure. I just wish that we could have had Drunk Carol uh, giving us. Um, play-by-play throughout the whole show <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing that could have improved indian ranch is more <laughs> drunk carol a new, uh, a new england translation <laughs> i wonder if she even saw the show she have a big accent too just like she sounded like you know like it was um definitely like she's she's lived here her entire life she's from like outside of boston um <laughs> on on the other hand for me chef boy oh boy yes look like a chef <laughs> so <laughs> it was uh, it was a great concert uh dave and jackie i wish you guys could have been there oh, um you guys would have loved carol <laughs> yeah I, I wish you guys were there at least for carol but also you know al and the band did, did pretty good too uh, al, al, al and the band were a bonus to drunk carol <laughs> Yeah, they were just the opening act for Drunk Carol. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, we hope Drunk Carol's out there. And uh, um, <laughs> I don't know if she's ever going to get a chance to be hungover. Le- that would require stopping drinking. <laughs> Legend has it she's still trying to put her golf cart in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> she also... Um, she asked Gus if he was Weird Al's brother and asked him for an autograph. <laughs> yeah, she was uh, she was she was quite a character. I mean, she has no memory of this event. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, uh, so it, it was fun. Wish you guys could have been there. Yep. All right, so we are. Like we mentioned earlier, we are on our way today to see Weird Al in Amish country itself in the American Music Theater in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We will be there for two shows back to back or not the same day, but the following day. And uh, we'll have some fun reviews on that for sure. Um, And uh, until next time.
That was David Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, ridiculously self-indulgent bonus episode 30 centimeter. Dave, what was that lake again? Lake Charga Gaga Gaga Mancha Gaga Aga Gaga Chaba Aga Gaga Gaga Waga Maga Gaga Waga Chamba Wamba. Wait, Alexis, what was it? Lake Chargaga Gaga Manga Ganga Banga Banga Dang Banga Manga Goo. Jackie, while driving and not reading it, what was it? Lake Webster.